because I think that's what it counts when you're making the decision of living in a different country. You need to be flexible and accept those differences so you can push things forward. You will find Berliners that they're not super happy with the foreigners and even with people from other parts of Germany. Every single tribe in Berlin will find their own space. I've paid six euros for a papaya once. What? And that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Hello everyone, my name is Adu and this is Expats Exposed, honest conversations with expats around the globe. This podcast is brought to you by ReadyGo Expat. For videos about life in different countries, interviews with expats and travel guides, go to youtube.com forward slash ReadyGoExpat. Hello everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I uh, hope you're all doing fine. I'm here today with my friend Rodrigo Catão. He is in Berlin, Germany. And today he's going to talk about his experience living there, the cost of living, how's the expat community like, about the Germans, can they speak English? And he's been there for around three years. So he's going to talk about how it was uh, to adapt to life in Germany and how different it is to life in, in Brazil. Hello, Rodrigo. How are you? Hey, Dudu. Thanks a lot, man, for the invite. Doing great, doing great. Um, and congratulations on this project. I think it's super nice to bring people together to talk about their experiences and um, share a little bit what they're going through um, and maybe, I don't know, help people on the way. So it's really nice. Congrats on that. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. And, and it's true. Like, I, I really think, like, for example, I never had anyone who lives in Germany in the podcast. And we've got more than 20 episodes. So uh, that's really, really cool. Because um, first of all, let me just tell people who are listening. I met Rodrigo actually in Brazil. We were uh, housemates for how long? Two uh, years? That's a good question. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if it was, I don't know, one year and a half. One year but and a half. I can remember that I was, I was trying to find a place to, to move from my brother. So I was living with my brother. And I, I needed a place to stay. And then I, I used this um, homepage that was very like old school back in the days. I don't know, couch surf or something. That was not super known at that time, but I was browsing someone that had a flat and wanted a roommate, right? And this is where I found Dudu. And at the end of the day, we, we kind of, we had friends in common, right? Yes. And then it was like, all right, it should be safe. <laughs> I should be safe moving in, right? Wow, I actually forgot about this story. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Man, I, I thought that so impressive, yeah. Because I thought that it was one of my friends who used to work at your company who introduced herself. But no, it was it was there. We ended up, you know, finding out that we had this friend in common, but I kind of wrote you through this platform. I don't even remember the name anymore and not even sure if it's existed after Airbnb, right? Took over. So, um, wow. but that was, was quite nice. It was good times. Good times, good times. And then you, um, I mean, I, we ended up like, I, I, you moved to, uh, with your brother. And then I think I moved with another friend and years later, I, I went to China and then years later, you are now in Germany. So bef just, just before we start, can you tell me like a bit about your background um, where you, where I, we know we're from Brazil, but like, what were you doing before you moved to Germany and why did you decide to go there? Yeah, definitely. So yes, I'm originally from, um, we call it big, big fields, Campina Grande, right? <laughs> so I'm from a neighbor state, um, 
from from the do and i i had my the beginning of my career started in in consulting um and i was working in brazil basically in different projects in different states and i always wanted to go abroad so i've as a as a teenager back in the days i had a, an experience that was really um let's say a turning point in my life so i lived in 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 denmark as an exchange student at the age of 16 years old right so that was that was quite a very you know it was an amazing experience um I had a really great time there um and I, i always had this thing about going back to europe maybe to start a career and so on so i mean a long story short i ended up having another experience while as a, as a university student so i lived in the uk for one year and when i came back started career in consulting and i was always like framing at what point in my life i would go back to europe and then i ended up you know in germany three years ago in 2018 so i came to pursue a master's degree in um, innovation strategy and the idea was to you know once finishing this master i would probably apply to have some sort of international experience um and yeah i mean now the family is more or less adapted we're pretty much you know having a good time here in germany i'm still struggling with the language a little bit it's not it's not easy to learn a, a new language after you're 30 something right so it requires a lot of effort a lot of discipline but i mean i can i can say that it, it was a good call it was a good decision so we're super happy and you were in berlin right so yes and and now i'm living in berlin since then um and um i'm currently working for a tech company on the you know the e-commerce um industry it's called zalando and i and i work as a product manager there So you finish your masters and now you're a full-time worker, uh, full-time employee, sorry, at this company, right? Yes, that's it. So um, after the, the, the masters was a two-year program, the first year was dedicated to, you know, overall courses and so on. The second year uh, for writing, writing your thesis. So, um, so I ended up doing both. So my second year, I was already at Zalando and like writing, writing the thesis. Sure. And, and of course, like German is, um, is not one of the Latin languages that like, because we both speak Portuguese, it's a bit easier for us to learn French, Spanish, Italian. Um, I can imagine that that was a challenge in the beginning. And I want to know any other challenges you had at the beginning and also about the language. So you work um, at work. Do you use English full time? Everyone speaks English. How is it? Yeah. So in, in Berlin, you will find a lot of even German companies that has in English as their main language. Um, so we work basically with, uh, with, ling with, with English as a, as a main language and other companies are doing the same. And this is typically because they need to bring talents from all over the world, right? So this talent um, demand, it's pretty high in all tech hubs in, in Europe. So that's the same for, for Berlin. And you were, you were asking about let's say those challenges, obviously the, the language barrier on, on a day-to-day -day basis, it's something that it's something that you need to overcome. So learning the language, it helps a lot, especially if you were thinking of Germany in a long-term basis. So I was, I was telling you before that, right? So we didn't choose to come to Germany. So like Germany chose us um, and uh, we didn't plan on learning the language properly. So we had to do this once we arrived and it helps a lot, especially to understand the mentality, to understand the way people think, the way people do, they behave. 
and the language is a big component of the a big component of the cultural aspect right so and what about other challenges when you got there yeah that's super interesting um i mean the small things become a big hurdle so doing groceries um going to the drugstore right i can't imagine you you face the same thing in china right it's even more you know different than than uh, than german but all those small things becomes a big hurdle because uh, you don't speak the language you don't want to get embarrassed so you really need to go there and be and be af not afraid of you know stepping in and trying things and try out the language you know they they'll probably find it very funny that you're struggling and then trying to speak their own language so i think those small things were pretty challenging in the beginning and especially that everything is so new that you need to understand where, where's the where's the supermarket what are the brands what do i need what can i eat right so you don't you don't even know the name of the the you know the food and the things that you usually eat on your normal diet so everything becomes so different and so new so i think this was a a first experience, especially for me and my wife, like it was uh, first time she was abroad as well, right? So um, at the end of the day, like every small thing that we do in life became a big, a big problem. So we needed to somehow kind of have a very, you know, the, the we call it the mindset, right? <laughs> the right mindset for that and kind of overcome those small things and being very patient with um, with a day-to-day learning experience right because i think that's what it counts when you're making the decision of living in a different country you need to be flexible and accept those differences so you can push things forward otherwise you're just gonna get stuck and start complaining that things are not the same as it used to be in your home country so i think that's one of the characteristics that expats they they, they have right so you don't make a decision of going abroad if you don't have this flexibility on 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 the way you perceive things and experience things right yeah and especially for both of us coming from brazil it's like things just work differently here um i'm gonna ask you soon to compare like life in brazil and life in germany but i just want to um ask you about i mean i know you at, at work it's english but outside work can the can most germans speak english i would say depends on the neighborhood you are i'm, I'm talking about berlin right but typically everyone would understand but not everyone speaks because they might have, you know, like their own barriers. So depending on the neighborhood, like if you're going to Mita, which is a very um, touristic neighborhood, everywhere you go, probably they will speak English to you, right? So restaurants, um, you know, shops and so on. But if you, if you go to the suburbs or, you know, even neighborhood I'm, I'm living in, it's not it's not very common to have people speaking english in in those places right so but people will understand and you might find people trying to help you on on with, with the english but the majority of those uh, neighboring places they will require some sort of of german um but it should be okay like berlin is very diverse and has a lot of expats and you know people from very mutual um you know various uh, cultural background so yeah i was gonna ask you about that about um, the diversity in berlin i mean i've only been to berlin like for three days so as a tourist so i cannot say much i cannot tell you like uh, a lot about it but i've been to london quite a few times and in my opinion it's the most diverse i think city in the world how would you say london uh, berlin is 
France compared to London or Paris? That's a good question. That's a good question. It's hard for me to, to tell because I've only been to those places as tourists, um, same as you. But, but the thing about Berlin is that when you look into the history, right, especially the 20th century, all major events in the most recent history, Berlin was involved somehow, right? So let's take it first, World War, Second World War, and, you know, the Berlin Wall, Cold War. So it, this city has been through a lot and it has not built their own identity. So I would say they are less, less multicultural and cosmopolitan as those, and even London, right? Um, but it's a city that is constantly trying to find their own identity. As you probably know, there is a, a, a large community here of people from, from Turkey, because at some point Germany needed to bring um, foreigners to kind of support the, the workforce demand. Um, and there are, you know, discussions around how cultural adapted are those foreigners. So people say that there are the Berliners, there are, there is the Berliners, the team Berlin and the team Germany, for example, right? So Berlin became very, very attractive for even Germans that wanted to have a, a cheaper life like this 10 years ago. So attracted people from all over. Um, and this kind of also brought some consequences. So like the real estate market just went all the way skyrocketing and prices went, went up and people were not happy with that. So you will find Berliners that they're not super happy with the foreigners and even with people from other parts of Germany because they say, hey, those people are paying way more for mortgages and they're bringing the prices up, for example, right? So there is this gentrification topic that is, it's under discussion. So you will find this balance between, and I think this creates a barrier as an identity and being, and being like very um, cosmopolitan as some countries are. So you can imagine a city that was divided by a wall. It takes a time for them to get unified, but every single tribe in Berlin will find their own space. Right. So you have resilience doing samba rounds somewhere in Berlin. You will find Muslims having their own space for prayer and so on and so forth. Right. So, I mean, as a as an European city, it's and as you know, Germany has also embraced this um, refugee crisis back five days ago and it's it's doing a big effort. So I would say from a political standpoint, it tried to create the right policies to make it easy for those who wants to integrate, right? But the question is always, have foreigners actually integrated to the German culture? So this is something we could discuss, right? But, but I mean, if you ask me, hey, is it good for a foreigner to live in Berlin? Yes, for sure. I mean, definitely. Um, because, I mean, you find people from different backgrounds. Um, you, you learn how to, I mean, at the end of the day, you can, you can learn from, from living in an international environment, right? But that also depends on where you work, where you live, and so on and so forth. Yeah, yeah, no, true. Like I, I you're 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 speaking now, and I was just um, when I was there, I I I, I stayed in a hostel close to Postdamer Platz or Alexander Platz. I don't know one of the two, which is obviously like very centrally located because I wanted to be close to you know the Brandenburg Gate and other touristic uh, uh, sites. Um, but I remember it was all very organized, like the buses, the trains, the, you know, everything is super organized, like 
there's a huge museum. I don't remember the name now, um, but it's just, everything is just so beautiful. And so, you know, we did a walking tour and it was just amazing. But um, I remember uh, there was one guy interviewed here. Uh, I think his name is David. Uh, yeah, David McNeil. He is from the US. He lives in Porto, Portugal now. But he told me that before moving to Porto, he spent, I think, about a year in Berlin. And he said in his interview that uh, the people from Berlin are not very friendly and welcoming to foreigners. <laughs> and he said, and he said, I'm not talking about the whole of Germany. I'm talking about my personal experience in Berlin with his wife. Would you agree with him? Yeah, that's that's a good that's a good topic. I mean, people will say that Berliners are grumpy. Um, but then again, I think it connects with this thing, right? I mean, imagine you lived in a place divided by a wall and you had two different um, administrations going on. I mean, that's crazy, right? I mean, it's not too long ago. That's 30 years ago. Um, so I can imagine that people are still learning and uh, there is this uh, generation and that will probably overcome. But I, I've worked with Berliners, with real Berliners, let's say born and raised. They're pretty nice. I mean, they're just like, you know, like us, I would say, right? But you will find like people in the, in the how do you call it, in the, in the supermarket that they cannot tolerate waiting time. And that's something that it's really interesting about Germans. Like if you look at people in the, in the tills, they're just scanning things so fast because people get really annoyed when they're queuing. Um, and, and you will probably come across a grumpy lady just pushing the trolley towards you so you can go faster with your, with your shops. So this is something that you will probably kind of step upon when we feel live in Berlin for more than six months. But I think I cannot, I cannot blame them because if you go to Sao Paulo, would you say people from Sao Paulo are friendly and nice to you? As if you go to the countryside, I mean, this is a different thing, right? So big cities, they most of the time put this pressure on people, right? So it's the same with Parisians, right? So people who live in Paris. So um, I wouldn't blame them, to be fair, right? So I think there is this grumpiness going on. Um, but I mean, it's not like in Brazil that we have the sun shining all year long, right? So I can understand. I'm always grumpy when, they, when the winter is coming and making the same complaints as everyone is doing, right? So, yeah. yeah, so I can tell. I mean, I would agree to some extent at the end of the day. That's my answer. <laughs> I, I see. Yeah, big cities. Um, I, I experienced that in Shanghai, actually. People in Shanghai are like, they don't want to wait in the subway. They just want to, you know, get through it and just get to work and do their thing. And uh, But yeah, that's true. And what about... Um, life in brazil like i mean you've been away for for more than uh, three years now so how would you compare life in germany and life in brazil yeah that's a that's a good topic as well i mean we could probably break this down into i don't know three things like food people and weather right i mean when we look at the food it's just completely different right so you don't have the fruits and, and the diverse set of fruits that we have in brazil so if you're someone who really enjoys having that fasting, not fasting, sorry, like that very um, diverse breakfast with the fruits. And, you know, you don't find that here. Uh, fruits are very expensive. 
Um, I've I've paid six euros for a papaya once. What? And that's a lot of money. <laughs> that's a lot of money. Um, and uh, but I mean, food is one of the things that set us apart, right? Um, people will say that the German cuisine is not attractive at all. I'm not I'm not someone who's very you know into food. But I would say it's acceptable. I can find most of the things that I like, and you can get things from all over Europe. So Italian food, um, even Asian food is very big around Berlin because you will find restaurants, you, you will find Asian markets. So you can live and you can adapt, right? But if we look at the German cuisine, uh, like as, as, as it is, um, it, it may not be the most attractive one. And this is one thing. I mean, when we talk about people, I mean, we spoke about it, right? So it's a, Germans are very objective, very pragmatic, um, very straight to the point. Brazilians are more into, you know, this, uh, you start a meeting, you go into your personal life a bit, you chit chat and so on. I mean, Germans are not very much into that, uh, which doesn't mean that they're not um, having any sort of empathy towards you, but it's different. So, and it's, you know, it, it's, it was really nice, especially for me, when I'm pitching an idea or a project, I need to start from, a, you know, from the end, let's say it. So I'll probably start from the end, sell the full idea, and then I'll just kind of do the disconstruction of the idea towards my argument. So it, it kind of tells you how to communicate a bit better, I, I would say. Um, and the weather is like, I mean, we come from a place that we don't have the four seasons, right? Yeah. And I, I would say in Brazil, we take the sun a bit for granted and the beach we take for granted because it's always there. Once you're living in Europe and then you start to live with the four seasons, it's like, oh man, like going to the beach is a big plan that you need to wait six months to do so. Otherwise you would need to go and fly direct to, I don't, I don't know, Lanzarote or anywhere else nice in Europe to have some decent sun. So this is something that I kind of miss a bit, but I have learned a really nice lesson from experimenting the four seasons now for the fourth time, which is, it's, it's like life in its essence to some extent. Do you know what I mean? Like you, you will understand that life is full of cycles and that after, you know, winter, spring will come and that's going to follow with summer. And this is going to teach you a lot, especially when I'm talking to my daughter and you know, kind of translating this to her, like, hey, you should not complain about winter because summer will come at some point and you need to understand that these sort of things you cannot change. And there are things in life that you don't change, right? So you can even learn, take a lot of lessons out of that. So I think this is one of the things that I started to appreciate, especially that Berlin has not this like decent, decent uh, winter, right? So last time we had a bit of snow, but it's not like if you live down south in Bav in Bavaria or in Bayern area or you know some places in in Europe that you have like a decent winter, right? So Berlin is a bit ish, so it's um it's not very nice, <laughs> I yeah. would say. Yeah, and and but that's true. Like sometimes we take it for granted, especially both of us come from the northeast of Brazil, so it's um, it's now winter here and it's 27 degrees celsius so yeah and you can go to the beach anytime you can go to the right? beach anytime I mean, all yeah, year so round if, uh, yeah 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 so i totally get that um and and but the about the food like now that i've been back I, i'm like oh gosh like this is the best cuisine in the world like i love the food <laughs> from brazil like 
Um, I grew up here like you and like I've, I've been eating all of those things that like I'm sure you miss. Um, yeah, yeah. So, by the way, yeah, what do you miss about life in Brazil? Well, um, yeah, I would say family, right? I'm, I'm a very family person, although I decided to leave as, a, as, a, as a, an expat, but I miss my family. And when I mean family, I mean brothers, sisters, you know, nephews, um, parents and so on. Um, and I think the pandemic kind of made this a bit worse because we haven't been able to go back to Brazil to visit. So I think this is kind of bothering a bit more. Um, but I would say I'm, I'm not a food person, as I said, but I, I miss acai a lot. Mm. I miss it so much. But I found out someone who is importing some Brazilian acai here in Berlin. It's really it's, it's expensive, but it's the best I can get. So I'm I can I'm trying to, to buy at least once a month and kind of kind of manage that throughout the week, right? So <laughs> so acai is one of the things. And obviously I'm a I'm a summer person and I love doing out, outdoor sports, so cycling. And you can see the bike here, so cycling, running. And I really miss this, I don't know, going for a bike ride and having the sun straight in your face, just sweating. Um, and we don't have here, we, I mean, we, we might have a few hot summer days. So, but anyways, I mean, this is, I mean, if you're not someone who lives from, from sports or would like to have sports as one of the main things in life, you would, you wouldn't live somewhere cold. Right. I would say, yeah. but, but I mean, yeah, those are the, I would say three topics, family, acai and, and the beach. Interesting. Interesting because I, 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 I'm not into acai. That's so interesting, right? Yeah. Like yeah. I, I miss, I mean, I miss couscous. Um, and I, I've I can get it. couscous pretty, like I can get decent Brazilian couscous here. Brazilian so that, couscous? that's the thing. Yeah. That's the thing in Berlin. Like you can find anything in Amazon and in some, some stores. So that's, that's I mean, you cannot find, um, how do you call it? Um, the cheese. No, yeah, the cheese or some some of the more reg, regional um, northeastern Brazilian food, right? Carne de sol. How do you call it? How do you call I it? Think, in I think it's I think it's jerked. It's kind of like jerked beef. Um, I would say. Yeah, it could be. Uh, but again, I mean, only if you're just too much into food, you would care about it. even tapioca, right? So cassava powder. I can find some decent one from Thailand. Yeah, from Thailand. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, that's what I got and, in China and, as well from Thailand. Yeah, so we, we can make a very decent tapioca um, on weekly basis. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the the I, I had the same issue in China, and still because China, you know, it's it's China, we still could get it, but it was like three times, four times the price. But still, Whoa. it's like yeah. yeah, like but it's it, it's okay. I mean, yeah. as you said. Yeah. You buy it once a month and you just try to... <laughs> it's like the papayas. <laughs> like... Yeah. Yeah, actually the fruit in China is good, but most of like the bananas were imported from the Philippines and other fruit. Because, you know, the uh, Southeast Asia, the Philippines, Vietnam, Thailand is very tropical, yeah, it, like Brazil. Yeah, so... yeah, definitely. Yeah, and, and Europe gets a lot of, um, you know, a lot of imported food from, from, from there as well. Yeah. So... Even if like mangoes here, they're usually coming, they're coming from India um, as well. So coconuts come, they come from Thailand. So you will find some sort of really hardcore exporting from those countries. Yeah. And uh, you mentioned the uh, food prices for like international, I mean, imported fruit, food in general. But what would you say 
like for someone thinking about moving to Berlin and you live, uh, you can explain that uh, about uh, who lives in your house, uh, what's the size of your family. And I would like you to tell us a bit about the cost of living there. Um, what is most, what is the most expensive thing? Uh, what is cheap? What would you say uh, about the cost? All right, of all right, cool. Yeah, I mean, budgeting is always a big, a big topic. I mean, so for students, right? So if you think about a student budget, as someone who comes uh, to Berlin to live in a studio or share, share a flat, um, the German government requires that you have a student blocked account, right? And I think this is a good reference because they do that based on cost of living. So if we, if we want to move to Germany as a student, the government will require you to have a blocked account that will release every month around 890 euros for you. So you need to have the full year, 12 months, um, let's say saved in an in a official bank institution. Uh, so in a, in a bank, official bank. Um, and then this bank, which is authorized by the German go government, is going to release this money every month to you. And this is, this is roughly um, how much they, they require. So it's 900 euros, let's say it. And for a student, a single person, 900 euros should do as you will probably have around 300, 400 with, uh, with the rent. Um, and then, you know, the rest would be splitted across health insurance, uh, food, um, and transportation. Um, but that also depends on the kind of life you have, right? I mean, personally, I came with my wife and my, my daughter. And our budget, I would say it's roughly double this um, this let's say budget, right? So um, for a family, depending on the neighborhood, you will pay around, for a family, like three rooms apartment, you will pay around 1,000 euro, 1,200. And again, depends on how old is the apartment, which neighborhood is in. Um, and roughly with food, I mean, we spend around three, 300 euros, 400 euros if it's a month where we're, you know, eating a bit more outside. So I have a very simple life. Um, so we, we're not in restaurants all the time, but we like to, to cook our own food. Uh, but we also have like very, you know, it's not for sophisticated tastes, right? Um, so that's also okay. Um, and transportation, like in Berlin, you can go around with a, with a bicycle anywhere, uh, which kind of helps students avoiding this transportation cost. But if you say, hey, I'm, I would love to have a monthly ticket, that would cost around 80 euros, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and that would give you like, you know, access to most of the, uh, you know, models um, from trams to, to, um, to the subways and so on. Um, so again, for a student, 900 euros a month would be a good budget to look out for. But, it, but and then you, you're not going to live on a very nice studio living on your own. Right. So because there are student studios that can cost up to 700, 800. So I had colleagues um, from from my master's degree that they were living in very, like very decent, I would say, pretty decent um, studios uh, that you could have all the all the infrastructure for laundry, for, you know, uh, studying. Um, it was like a student hall in like as you may find in other in other countries. But since Berlin doesn't have this, like if you go to the UK, you will find like this. Uh, different student student hall that is owned by the universities. It's not it's not the case here in Berlin. So there are some private 
private student um, places that you probably will rent around this price. So, I mean, roughly, um, this is what you will, will spend. Um, but there is a lot of good information in the internet, um, on the internet, um, and decent blogs with those numbers updated. I can also share that with you uh, to do, so you can also post it um, in, in the link. But that's that's a very good estimate, you know, like uh, around 900 if you're a student, if you're if you're renting a one bedroom in a shared apartment and then kind of like double that if you're coming with a family with one or two kids um, and you live in a small apartment, not centrally located, of course, kind of like 40, 30, 40 minutes away from downtown Berlin. That's that's very good estimate. And I would say that that's kind of cheaper than what I heard from like friends in London friends in Barcelona, um, a bit cheaper. I'm not saying like- It is, cheap, it is. I mean, right? but that's Berlin, right? If you go to Munich, the, num the numbers might go up 30%, 40% in terms of costs, right? I mean, wages are also a bit higher in Munich. So Southern, yeah, Southern East, you can cut that off like the geography <laughs> in <laughs> Germany. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, wages are higher, but costs are also higher in southern Germany. But that's pretty much, I would say it's a solid number for, for building bases. That's good. And, and what would you say, like, apart from the costs, what would you, uh, what kind of tips would you give for anyone thinking about getting a job in Germany or moving here with, with family or as a, as a master's student? What kind of tips would you, would you, could you give? Well, good one. Um, I would... So very biased based on my mistakes, right? So I would say, hey, if you're coming to Germany, make an effort to learn the language a bit before it helps um, to, you know, kind of break the ice and speed up, you know, the process of understanding how to go around with the German bureaucracy. So German, Germans love uh, paper and everything you do, it's paper-based in most of the cases. So there's a lot of bureaucracy behind and you will need some support with a with a German language on that. So if you if you're planning on doing this in one year to a year time, gives you time enough to kind of deep dive into the language. I would say do that if you can. Job market wise, Germany is attracting a lot of talented talents from all over the world. Um, and get ready for the interview process, for setting up your CV and adapting this to the German reality because it's different. So if you're coming from a South, South American or Brazil uh, reality interview, the interview process there, it's different. So get to know the process, get used to it, try out, apply for, you know, as many companies as you can to, to try to try yourself a bit and learn how to pitch your projects and learn how to sell yourself. Right. Um, but I would say like, the job market is very open for Brazilians, especially uh, when we are talking about uh, the tech uh, scene, right? Um, and uh, yeah, pick pick a city or a neighborhood that is more connected to what you like to do, right? I mean, I would say if you're a party animal or if you're a family guy like me, there are neighborhoods that kind of fit the taste, right? So Berlin is so diverse and there's so much to offer that you can probably do some really good research and try to spot the, you know, a nice place for you to kind of live and, um, and enjoy. Yeah. And you just mentioned that, like, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a hotspot for foreigners um, from all over the globe. And, and 
I just want to mention something that I just remember now. During the Brexit, uh, when the Brexit was announced, some companies based in London and banks were thinking about relocating to Frankfurt, Berlin, Munich, you know, German cities, major cities, because Germany is, you know, the, the well, now the wealthiest country, it is the wealthiest country in the European Union. Yeah. Um, would you say that you've seen, you've noticed a change since Brexit uh, up to now, or you think that like, regarding like, I don't know, investment, companies, jobs, expat community, have you noticed anything different? Tough question to do. Um, based on what I've experienced, I haven't noticed anything like, especially in my um, working environment, right? I mean, I know that some, some of the Brits, right? They were pretty much concerned about their, you know, kind of visa status and all the paperwork behind. But for those people who were already established, I mean, Germany has a very um, welcoming a visa, um, I would say, a visa scenario, right? I mean, visa option for pretty much non-Europeans, and that would include the UK as well. So this didn't change much. But uh, strategically, from a uh, how do you call it, like a market perspective, companies needed to make a very tough decision because the Brexit was bringing in a lot of uncertainty in terms of how to scale. And what can you think about scalability when you have a business, if not growing within European Union? And that's the movement that we saw from a, a, a few companies, like even the German bank uh, N26 had to shut down their operations um, in the UK because they would not, um, if I'm not mistaken, like have time enough to, um, you know, establish the, the the right regulations to operate in in the UK. So I can I can probably guess that some companies were facing the same issue, but like I don't really have in the top of my head. But I think this is something that companies are still learning um, because there is still a lot going on. But I I would assume that the European tech hubs became more attractive, especially for um, we call it early stage companies that were trying to pitch for fundings or trying to attract talents from, you know, different places to be their own company. And then if you go to the UK where you don't know what's going to happen and I, you know, I haven't checked the numbers, but I would guess that, you know, um, kind of we call it venture capital money would have decreased there. I haven't checked those numbers lately, but that's my assumption. Sure. But, yeah. It's just a long shot. Yeah, it's not it's not an easy question because that what I what, what I was telling you was like what what's, we're kind of like forecasts like that and um, people are just like making their own predictions on people or like you know companies and specialists. So I don't know if it's if it's true. What I know is that um, in Portugal there were a lot of Brits who decided to like if they 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 had to move to Portugal before the end of last year before the end of 2020. If they move there, they could, you know, ask for citizenship and stuff. And we saw that happening in France as well. And I'm sure uh, the the, Brit, uh, the British people who had like, you know, German uh, parents and stuff, they, they probably tried like, not all of them, but of course there were a lot of new um, people asking for citizenship and applying for citizenship and, and stuff. Um, yeah, I would say the great majority of, of Brits here were pretty, pretty mad with this whole um, Brexit situation because, I mean, you might find that from economical perspective could have been a good way. I, I don't know, a, a good, not a good way, sorry. So a good, a good call, a good option. But I mean, it seems that it's like um, 
if they're creating more barriers to integrate with the European Union. So it it it, it gives the, the wrong messaging, right? So yeah. and I think that's why the popular support was not was not that high. Yeah, definitely. No, my, my friends, uh, most of my friends in England, they live in London and they're not happy with it. But yeah. Um, now, the last question I want to ask you, let's say that in two, three, four years, uh, you leave Berlin, you leave Germany. What do you think you will miss when you, you know, one day leave the country for good, let's say? Oh, well. If you actually do, I mean, you might stay there, you know, uh, you know, your whole life. I, we never know. What I'm saying is, what if you, yeah, lived, yeah. what if you left? I mean, that's, that's a nice question, man. I mean, you see this thing, um, I think here we, especially coming from, from Brazil, right? We have a different type of freedom here. Um, and which is something that we don't have in Brazil. So these, um, the fact that here it's a safer country uh, and that you can simply go walk and have a walk in your neighborhood with your wife and kids without being mugged or robbed. And that's something that is priceless, especially if you come if you come from a big city in Brazil, right? So, imagine me going in Recife, in in Boviagem, just like walking. I mean, you don't feel safe at all at any any moment, right? And I'm we Brazilians usually joke that Brazilians have this spider sense that you're always <laughs> watching your back because you're afraid of you know being mugged, and you kind of lose that here. I'm not saying that it's completely safe right in, in in germany i know that berlin has their own issues I, I told you some of the stories behind that but i think i'm going to miss this type of freedom so being able to just spend just having breakfast in you know outside right and uh, not being bothered um or not being concerned about any safety you know um any safety thing um but but i would say on the other hand like the government is controlling most of the things you do. So, um, so which is another type of freedom that we don't that we have in Brazil. Like, I we want to go to Brazil for for the holidays, um, and I need to ask for permission so my daughter can uh, lose a few days of of school days. So I don't have the autonomy, and I can even I can even pay pay a fine, or I mean, in most extreme cases, I can be arrested um, if if I if my daughter is missing. Um, school days um so th th that's the kind of balance but i mean i think i will probably miss a lot this thing on being able to go around without this concern of being mugged or robbed and i think this is one of the things that brazilians that when they come to europe they really really appreciate yes i definitely appreciate that in europe and but but I still, as you said, the the spider, the Spider Man, you know, the sense like spider sense, yeah, spider sense, yeah. Like yeah. whenever we're on the bus, public transport, walking in busy streets, not only anywhere in Europe, anywhere in the world, um, you, it's just like we're we're really aware, uh, you know. Yeah, we have that, right? Yeah, we have that for sure. Yeah. But like even my wife, like she was just telling me the other day, like yeah, yeah, she's so she went to. Um, meet meet some of her friends and uh, she was going home like really late at night just being a woman on her own she feels really you know way way more safe here than she would do in brazil so yeah yeah that's the the problem with brazil uh, that's maybe the biggest issue with brazil uh yeah but, I would but say, yeah, yeah. 
Um, I'm here right now, but as I told you before we started talking, I'm leaving to Colombia in like a week. And I just wanted to ask you, like, you know, here in Brazil, the it, we're still going through, you know, some kind of like um, blocks and like lockdown-ish situations. Um, I, I wouldn't say lockdown, but like restrictions, you know. How is it in Germany now regarding lockdown, COVID restrictions? Yeah, well, we are, I think the situation in Germany, it's much better now. Um, most of those restrictions are were lifted um, in terms of, um, you know, kind of your restaurants are open, shops are open. Um, the question now is, um, you know, some places are demanding that you can prove that you have the vaccine. And, um, and uh, there's this whole argument around, you, you know, being... Uh, like demanding this uh, passport or not but as of now uh, I mean this is how it's working for I, I think if you want to see it outside you you don't need to prove anything but you want to if you want if you need to sit inside inside or indoors sorry um, you will probably need to prove that you are uh, vaccinated um, and I think life it's somehow getting back to normal I would say with this uh, I mean we still need to to wear masks in the in the subway um, still need to, to wear masks in um, like in the restaurants if you're um, like entering um, if you're entering the restaurant and so on but if you're obviously seated you don't need to you don't need to wear it um, in the work in the workplaces that's the same thing so um, employers are having the right um, how do you call it sanitary measures to make sure that you have a limited number of people in the same meeting room or in the same areas like my company, for example, if you want to work from the office, you need to book a desk in advance and the desks are pre-selected to make sure that people are having social distance. Um, but that's the, that, that's the fun thing, right? I mean, all right, employers are doing that, but I'm taking the subway fully loaded. So, so that's the tricky thing, right? I mean, I, we know the numbers are getting way better. I mean, it was, not, it was never that... Um, that bad in Germany anyways, they, they, they took the right measures to kind of avoid that the, the disease would, the COVID would scale. Yeah, and I remember that Germany helped Portugal at some point in other European countries uh, when the numbers of the, the COVID numbers are super high there. Uh, but yeah, thanks a lot, man. Um, it was great chatting with you. Thanks a lot for all the, the incredible information here. And I hope to see you next year. Yeah, my pleasure, man. It was really, really good to catch up after... Um, such a long time and uh, congratulations um, on everything that you have um, built um, until now as career-wise and it's really good to see that you're putting all your plans and dreams into action so congratulations on that thank you thank you very much for videos about life in different countries interviews with expats and travel guides go to youtube.com forward slash ready go expats